Welcome everyone to this bonus episode of the Market Insights Podcast. It's me again, Andrew McGregor, aka L Pavotti, FTBL on Twitter. Here again with my dulcet scouse tones, and I'm joined here today by Tim Keach. Hello, it's Tim Keach, S Bunching on Twitter. Um, we're also joined by the third Evertonian in Market Insights, making his debut. Let's hope it's more Tony Cotty than Uman Yas. It's Tom. Hello, I'm Thomas Long, aka T Logic, and at T Logic1991 on Twitter. Thanks, Tom. So, um, what we're going to do today is talk about an article which is in the Athletic uh, as of today, um, which is about Everton. They approached us recently to write an overview of what Market Insights would do if, if Marcel Brands got on the phone and said, Lads, I need some help. What should I do this summer? So basically, we've gone away, we've done a lot of analysis of the current squad. And we've come up with some solutions and some suggestions. Um, the first step we always do when we work with a new client is basically look at the style of football we think they want to play. That's quite easy with some clubs because they have a very defined style. But Carlo Ancelotti's really flexible tactically and he's played all kinds of different systems through his career. Um, he seems to have gone back to the flat 4-4-2 that he started with. Um, so what we've done is we've based our solutions around playing a 4-4-2, but not being strictly wedded to it. So we've also looked at the type of players we would buy and we've had a look at them and think, how could they adapt to other systems? So if you wanted to go 4-3-3, would they still fit? If you wanted to go to a kind of three at the back with wing backs, could, could they adapt to that? So we've, we've had a good look for different types of players. And I know, Andy, you started by looking at some of the team metrics for Everton to see how they would actually, how Everton actually play when you look at the data side of things. Yeah, what you know, what you notice about Everton is since you know the difference between Mark, you know Marco Silva and Carlo Ancelotti. What, what you know on the Marco Silva, Everton pressed heavily at the pitch. Uh, we tend to press. I think what Carlo Ancelotti's done is sacrificed the, the press slightly. In order to get some more structure in the team, unfortunately, as we get onto the midfield, doesn't help with that structure. And also, the, the main area again is the midfield, where a lot of Everton have become a team that's become a lot more direct because of the run of Richarlison and Dominic Calvert Lewin. In that we play more direct balls, maybe front to back into the channels, from to chase or into Dominic Calvert Lewin's chest or head, and obviously build attacks off that rather than play through from the back through the midfield and you know, in, you know into the strikers really. And I think I think that's one thing we you know we, we identified through the metrics as you can see in, as you can see in the article. And I think what Tim said there is very correct is that we did look when recruiting for Everton is that yes, Carlo Ancelotti does currently play that four four two with the sort of a wide 10 on the left-hand side and a more direct winger on the right. But we've looked at players, and I think this is key, is that can transition into other systems. And I think that's key with an Ancelotti, Ancelotti side, is that he does change based on what play, what players you have. In, in terms of, you know, Everton, Thompson, Ancelotti's came in, have you been quite pleased with what, you, with what you've seen tactically compared to what we've had before? Um, I, think, I think it's different to what you've seen with... Silver, Moyes, and Cumin, but I think the overall general consensus of it is, yeah, I am, I am, I am happy with what I've seen so far. It's just getting the players now to sort of fit fit that system, and that's the thing. The Everton squad has been built up by different managers with different approaches. Over, I mean, there's still players from Moyes in the in the starting eleven quite often. 
So <laughs> you've got to look at it and think that we've been through what, four or five different managers. We've been through two heads of kind of directors or head of recruitment. I think Marcel Brands is more of a, a sporting director than Steve Walsh was in terms of his actual role in the club. But in terms of recruiting players, I looked at the size of the squad and it's it's amazing. We've got We've used 23 different players this year, which is the same as pretty much everyone else in the Premier League. And that's even if they've come on for one minute, like people like um, uh, on the wing, Anthony Gordon's just played like 60 minutes all season, but which is the same as Liverpool. Liverpool have used 23 players. But our squad has got 11 players who have played in previous seasons who haven't appeared at all in this season. And another seven players who have played first-team football at other clubs who haven't played for Everton at all in their careers. So that's another 18 players in the squad who are basically first-team footballers but are completely unused by Everton this year. So transitioning that into a competent, coherent squad is a big task. And so, we, yeah, we want to get from 41 to 25 players effectively in the next three years. Um, Tim? Yeah, I was just going to ask, what do you th- in terms of Marcel Brands, do you think he's been given a tough task? You know, in terms of t- after the the summer, the ills of the summer of two thousand seventeen, shall we say? Do you think he's been given given a tough task to turn the squad round and turn it over in such a short amount of time? I think it's a tough task, but it's it's like a dream job, really, because mm. I looked at the kind of the details of when players went out of contract and how much playing time they're actually kind of getting at the moment, and we've actually got a huge opportunity here to actually yeah make things logically work in the next few years because in 2020 we have 11% of the current wages are going off the wage bill and they only played 7% of the minutes and to put that into kind of a more meaningful thing if you imagine that each player on the pitch at any one time is playing 9% of the minutes for that that game and so over a season 9% of the minutes represents playing the full game so to lose 7% of minutes is losing less than one player per per match day. And we're losing 11% of the wages. And the next year, 2021, this is a really bad year, we're losing, still only losing 7% of the minutes, but there's 20% of the wages on the wage bill are for players whose contracts end in 2021 and who currently are barely playing for the team. So in the next two years, that's 31% of wages off the wage bill. And we only have to replace one and a half players worth of game time. So it's a huge opportunity to get rid of a lot of wages off the bill. And if you make the right signings, I think you've got a really good chance of progressing quite quickly and kind of making a more coherent squad, which is what we definitely need after the last post-Moyes recruitment era, really. In terms of Marcel Brands, Tom, do you th- what, how, how, would you, how would you rate his, his performance in terms of transfers only so far, shall we say? I won't go, we won't, we won't go, we'll, leave, we'll leave the under-23s out for now. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think it's been 50-50, really. I think you can say with the likes of Bernard, Gomez, Mina and also Richarlison. I think Richarlison was it with him. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you could say yeah. Richarlison's probably the top, the top recruit that he has brought in. I think you still. I think the jury's still out on the others. I'm not so sure with Bernard's as in a long term stance, and I also don't think Gomez could be the right fit for what Ancelotti has 
or has the thought of doing. Yeah, that's that's a really good point because these players have been recruited for a, a four two three one or a yeah something similar to that type system. Um, where if you've got three central midfields, and I think the thing we found when we we're doing this article, if you're recruiting for a three-man central midfield, it's quite easy because a lot of clubs play three-man central midfields, and you can get away with a a player who, like Gomez, is pretty good on the ball, quite a nice pass with the ball, but work rate-wise is fine, but it's not going to be someone you'd trust in a, a two-man central midfield. Um, so the next thing we did in the report was basically go through it position by position. So uh, start at goalkeepers. Who have we got long-term contracted? Jordan Pickford, Jonas Lossel. So, and then Powell, Virginia and Martin Stecklenberg. So two of those are out of contract in the next few months. Um, Pickford is a is one who the club obviously backed with a very long contract. He's, what, do, what are your thoughts, Tom, on Pickford? On Pickford, um, I think the first year I thought he was brilliant. I thought he was very, very consistent at the back. And then, I, I, as as we all know, what he'd done at Anfield, I feel like from then, it's been a bit of a downward spiral for him. And I think, yeah. and I think fans think have confidence. Yeah, confidence is quite important for a goalkeeper, but it's been quite a while since then. Yeah, I was gonna what I was gonna say with Jordan Pickford is I think yeah, there has been more mistakes since since that unfortunate night at Anfield. And I think a lot of fans are obviously unhappy with the the, the amount of soft goals being conceded. Now what on the you know, as let's give a give him a fair shake here. On the flip side to that, the way we played under Marco Silva for that season and a half, where, and that's the period that we're talking where Jordan Pickford struggled. Just the nature of the side and where we overpressed really, and with and the structure of the midfield was non-existent. We left the defense and him to pick up the pieces, and without Garner Gay for that second season to to, to pick up those pieces. He faced a lot of shots with a high, like high expected goal. You know, in terms of his shot, high expected goal rate. Where he, the teams are getting so maybe not as many chances because they haven't been good at suppressing shots. But uh, the, the amount of the shots that they get through were quite good chances. And I think on the, I think you know maybe we do need to give him that net another season whereby. You know, I think I think we will. Do. I don't think a goalkeeper is something we're looking to necessarily looking to replace. I think he needs that structure in front of him where it does give him a chance to have a, like, a consistent run. And we'll see, we'll see if he rises to it. Yeah. I, yeah. In, Go on, Tim. In the report, we we haven't said replace Pickford because he's on a 2024 contract, which is obviously a big commitment of, of wages. And we've seen enough in the past, I think, that I'm not. I'm certainly not writing him off. He's, he's England's first-choice goalkeeper in the uh, World Cup. He was kind of... The nation's hero for a few weeks. He's not. He's not a bad player all of a sudden. So, yeah, I think Tom. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, well, I'd, I'd ask you the question. Do you think he's improved in the last so many years he's been at Everton? I'd say no. Yeah, I'd say this: the same issues that he had at Sunderland are still quite prevalent. I think I've said this before and other, other things where that is as anticipation needs to be better and his position where he sets up. I think we see we've seen a couple of goals this season where he's not, he's got hasn't got his feet out the way or he hasn't set himself early and it's left him a lot to do. I think he's got great reactions, makes some wonderful reaction saves. I just think he can make things easier for himself. If you, I think if you watch, you know, Allison for Liverpool or Edison for Manchester City, they position themselves so 
well and they give themselves less to do and I think that's where Pickford needs to needs to improve really how about you Tim yeah um I, th- I think that's fair and I think I think we we would leave Pickford for now and certainly the next next season's a really good opportunity behind a more solid midfield and defense to kind of regain confidence um so talking of defense the first positions we looked at were fullback obviously left back we have a very good incumbent player I think backup left back is obviously concerning Garbutt and Baines are out of contract Garbutt's obviously not played for the team since getting a five-year contract <laughs> and uh he's gone on to he'll 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 make a reasonable career in the he's a decent left wing in the AFL isn't he yeah and uh Baines He's done all right. I think in the games he's played, he's been he's been fine. His actual attacking output's still really good. Um, you wouldn't trust his body probably to if if the thing you've always got to look at with a with a cover player is if Luca Dean um, was injured, God forbid, a few games into past the transfer window closing, would you trust Leighton Baines to play two games a week for the rest of the season? I don't think the answer no, to that can no. be yet. <laughs> I think you look at Baines, and I think I was saying this, I think, about 2016-17, is even though he was still very good going forward, and he's probably still, you know, probably maybe including Andre Gomez at times, the best the best passer at the club. It's the defensive side that starts to let him, let him down. I think these the, the wingers are getting faster and faster in the Premier League and the explosiveness of them. And I think Baines would, it would struggle over, you know, five, six, seven games in a row. To contend with that, I still think he's a you know good good source of leadership. Obviously, he knows what playing for Everton's all about, and I think that's good for the culture. But I, I think I think you know I think this maybe is last. I think we will give him a year, another year, but I think this may be his last year. Are, are you still happy with Baines as a backup, Tom? Yeah, I think he's still shown his class, hasn't he? I think over overall, when he has come and he's been brilliant. Uh, but I do think fans need to realise that he. he his body just will not take twenty to thirty games a season. I think that's the main the main thing to look at for Baines. I mean, FA Cup games, Carlin Cup games. Yeah, I'm I'm happy with that against loss, le, uh, lesser opposition. But Premier League going up against fast, quick wingers every every week. It's it's not really something I'd look forward no. to. So here's and the, that's di- what, here's the yeah. dilemma though. You've got a number one player who's going to play all the games when he's fit. Do you bring in a left-back who is a, a specialist left-back who's just going to sit behind him? And then if you do, how much are you going to spend on him? I, th- I, th- I think that's that. It, that we, 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 we actually had, had a, a disagreement over this in a sense, I think, when we were doing the article. I think that that, that is a very valid point, though, I think. You just bring in, as as you say, a sole left back who can only play one position, and then and have them sit behind Dean, obviously collecting a wage. When you know in modern Premier League squads, if you look at Manchester City, Zinchenko plays left back, Fabian Delph, who plays for Everton now, played left back for Manchester City, and, and James Milner for Liverpool tucks in at left back when Andy Robinson doesn't play. So that versatility is probably key. And obviously, we have you know we've named two names in the in, in the piece. Both of whom were different types who can play, you know, in you know, in different positions. One of them was Aaron Hickey, who plays for Hearts, who's seventeen now. We spoke on previous pods about finding players who are performing in a league above league average level at seventeen. So Aaron plays for Hearts in the Scottish Premier League. He's played, he's got showed composure, he's got passer. Obviously, there's still things he needs to develop, and I think the reason why, why I, I you know, I was thought we he, that 
he would be a good sign of everything. He could, he's left and right footed, and, and when I say he's left and right footed, we, we've we've had many debates over whether he's actually right or left footed. I think he's just both footed, but I think he was the uh, he was the pick in sense of you could send him out on loan for a season, and then and bring him back when Baines goes, and then you've got a player who can play, cover both full back positions. And I think Tim, you also named another player in the report as well. Yeah, I, I, I like this player, uh, Siku Nyakate, who plays for Guangong in France. He's a uh, a left centre-back, really, but he's played quite a few games at left-back. And again, it was that versatility I liked. We've got a, a, a deluxe version of him who we'll talk about when we get to the centre-back section. But just for a kind of player you could pick up for two or three million who could cover left-back and left-centre-back and is only 20, 21 years old. He's developed really well in the last season. And it's that type of versatility we were looking for. We didn't see the point of buying a an out-and-out left-back, of which there are many good ones we like, who's never going to play for the first team because Dean is going to play almost every game. Um, so moving on to right-backs. Um, Tom, what are your thoughts on the current options? Obviously, we've got Coleman, Kenny, Sadibi, Martina, Callum Connolly. Um, I'm presuming Cuckoo Martina won't be your first choice of player for next season. But uh, <laughs> out, out, of the, uh, out of the three main options... What would you do if you were Marcel Brands? I think, I think with Sidibe, I know well friends of mine have known my love hate relationship with that man. Um, I just don't see him being solid at the back. He just frustrates the life out here when uh, coming back from being so far forward. He's he's brilliant. He's brilliant going up and getting crosses in that. It's just when he gets caught out from and I've noticed quite a few times um teams target that left that right hand side when he's partnered with Keane where there's just no and no cover and the way Keane turns like a boss, I mean <laughs> well, I think that, I think the issue from you know I will come on to Keen at the centre half part, but with Stevie, this is something I pointed out when we signed. And what the, te- the, the the issue with Sadibi is, and I think he's become more like this since his injury. I'm not too sure what, why the injury affected him because he was fairly good for Monaco when they won the title in 16-17. It's the issue for Sadibi is that he he already starts to make his run before the ball leaves his own half and. If Everton get caught in the midfield, there's a big gap at right back then. It's just to chase back for. And I think his positioning and his his awareness of what's around him at times has been lacking. I think, as you say, and we've seen it before with Everton, you know, when Cougar Martinez played right, right back as well at times and other players have played at right back, is that they can get picked out of position quite easy. And then teams overload the side that they think is the weakest. I think Tottenham's done it to us for years, really, but on the big Pochettino's especially. But I think that Sadibi is 13 million. You know, t- you know, Tim, if we couldn't spend money on a right-back, would you either take the 13 million option on Sadibi and not sell John Joe Kenny, or would you have Kenny and Coleman fight it out for the starting right-back role next season? Well, I think when we, we've looked through the data of where Everton can see the chances, and it certainly, certainly fits in with what you just said about teams targeting the right-back area. So, I'm not I'm not confident in Sadibi being a significant enough upgrade over Coleman or Kenny even to to justify the money compared to either bringing in another player or using Coleman and Kenny in rotation depending next year. Um I think I think what we've talked about throughout the article really is kind of how you need to 
the player you have at right back affects the player you buy for right wing and vice versa. Mm. So you've got to be looking at them as a partnership. And we've talked about kind of the great partnerships of Baines and Pinar and Stephen and Stevens over the years. And that kind of partnership at fullback right wing is vital. And at the moment, I think we've probably got three options, all of whom are pretty much very similar. I mean, they've each got strengths and weaknesses. Sadibi's got a bit more kind of explosiveness up front, I'd say. But I think there's a slight downside defensively. And I think I think they're all perfectly adequate, serviceable fullbacks. And I think when we looked, they're all just below average for, for most things, but with maybe one or two attributes that are above average. Um, but I don't think any of them, if we had a a blank slate and they said, what do you want to do? We'd be saying, don't sign Sadibi. If you could get money for Kenny, you might take it if you could get in a player. And do you want to take them through the player we chose, Andy? Yeah, just quickly before before we, before we do, I'd just like to say I think that the option, the, the if that you know it was that you didn't sign a right back. Obviously, we've suggested that we do. I would keep John Joe Kenny and play and have him and Coleman as your right backs. I don't think you should be investing money in a twenty-seven year old player that you're likely probably going to be looking to sell in the next eighteen months. You know, based on the fact that you'd need to upgrade anyway. I think Everton would be wise to have a look at the play, you know, have a look at different players. And yeah, we've we've chosen, you know, we've looked at three different players, and I think the main one we chose for I think for his experience, he's certainly played at a higher level than, than the other two. Um I think he's he's very good defensively, he's big, he's strong, he's quick, he, you know, he's he's well but he positions himself well. You know, I watched him recently against PSG and that's Kenny Tete of of Leon, of course, who who isn't the first true starting right back at Leon. He's played a lot more this season since Leo Dubois. Um was unfortunately injured and Tetti's made the most of his chance. He's good going for, good pass, you know, got a couple of assists, good cross to the ball. And I think he is an amount. He, he, basically, what I would say with him is if we ever if, if were to sign him, he's enough of what Sadibi is going forward. But also he's very good defensively as well, and I think that's that's the key. Depending on this, on, on the formation, is that you have someone smart positionally, you have someone having that that's able to sense danger quickly and snuff it out, and also be able to deal with quick both quick and strong players. So I think that's why we chose Kenny Tete. I think we also obviously looked at Alessio Castro Montez, who plays for Ghent in in Belgium, who's a, you know a good all round good all round fullback. Again, gets up and down, good energy, good defensively, can cross, can create chances for people. And, and penetrate into the box, and we also obviously name a lot of people in the Premier League, are, you know, aware of in, in, Mac, in Max Aaron's. In terms of those options, Tom, you know, do you think that they fit the system that Everton, you know, that Everton play? And do you think that they would be, you know, an upgrade on what we currently have? Yeah, I think I think they would shoot the four four two that Ancelotti um, plays because I think they're solid at the back. I think what we're lacking is is that key key area in that position. I think with Tete, I haven't seen much of him recently. Um, but as I say, I've seen clips of him, and yeah, I think I think he's the more safe option in that in that situation. I mm. mean, with Max Adams, I, I I rate Max very highly. I I think I think he could be in an England international going forward. I think he's only twenty years of age, and. I think his overall general play is very impressive, especially going forward. I seen him at Anfield uh, playing on the first game, and, and he really impressed me that day. Yeah, I think, I think, I think Aaron's Aaron's is definitely the more glamorous choice than Kenny Tete. Uh, I think it's just when we looked at the physicality and the fact that 
with Luca Dean going forward quite a lot, we often switch to kind of a three-man defence at the back when the left fullback's quite high. And I think we could get caught out if we also had a right right back who was also looked to go forward more than I think a, level, a Tete player does. I think he probably is, is attacking enough without sacrificing the stability at the back. I think I think that's that what you know what the key thing with recruitment is is, is yes talent and and potential are always the things that draw you in but sometimes signing players is about fit and you know I think Max Sounds is a super super young player and I think he will go you play at the highest level just at this moment in time Ever they're probably going to be looking to sign and as we'll get on to in a second a right winger who's probably also quite young and I think. If you're going to pay two younger players, you know, pay maybe a younger, maybe less experienced player in the Premier League on that right hand side with Max Allens, you're going to have some teething problems. And I think that's why Kenny Tete, with his experience of playing the Champions League for Leon, with, you know, playing at a higher level, more consistent, and with that defense, he's much more consistent defensively than Max Allens. I think that's just why we believe that he fits as well in terms of, you know, behind the, the right wingers that we've chosen. I think sometimes, it's not just talent; it's about you know fit and you know looking for what you need to make the side work. And I think that's what Kenny Tete does would do for Everton in this case. And so, moving on to right wing, we had some very um, players we really, really like for the right wing. But again, we've we've always had to consider: do they actually fit in with what Carlo Ancelotti will want to play? If we're playing a four-three-three, then you might consider someone like Samuel Chukwueze or Cengiz Unda. Would they be the best fit in a four-four-two? So we thought we narrowed it down to two choices. The first one was Messiah Okukawa of Red Bull Salzburg, but the person we actually ended up choosing was Crepin Diata of Club Bruges. Tom, do you want to take us through why we chose Crepin? Sorry, um, no. He he's an explosive. He's an explosive player. Very good defensively. And it appears, he appears to have a, a bit of a football brain when it comes to picking out passes, I've noticed. I mean, I think he would suit Ancelotti the way we do press high from that right-wing position. And I think he has all ability to become a very good Premier League winger. I think now, when you do look at teams in the Premier League, they are going for that type of player where it's fast and it's fast-paced uh, transitions. So I think, yeah, I think I think he is very good. Would be a very good signing for Everton. It's I think very, the, very the, similar to, in my opinion, going towards what a Sadio Mane type player is. He, he is, and I think when you watch Crepin Theater, you know this is someone I've been watching for eighteen months now. He's absolutely explosive off his first step. Fullbacks, especially in the Belgian league and in the Europa League, just cannot deal with it. You know, it's his first step. He just blows past them, and I think with with Ancelotti, what he wants out of that right wing spot. I know we've seen James Rodriguez and players that have that ilk mentioned. That we want someone. I think what Ancelotti, based on what he did at Napoli and what he's done at other clubs, is I think he wants someone direct who can ship in with goals. Now the actor isn't prolific yet, however, he can he can score and create goals. And I think he's just, and with that, that structure of that four four two, as as we mentioned in the article, he's played a lot of right wing back, so he understands the role of where he has to be when he's when when, when you drop into that that, that that more narrow four. He understands where you know how you know when he, that he needs to track back and cover his man. And I think we've seen when we play, you know, I think that the Arsenal game was the the main the main issue where Awobi and Sadibi couldn't really work out the defensive position, and obviously. 
when when Saka came on, he caused us a lot of problems. So I think having a Diata with a Tete, that's what we were talking about, having that pair and good defensive right back and get forward. And you know, and, and also attack the space that Diata leaves when he cuts inside. Even though he is right footed, Diata he can cut inside lovely. And as Tom said, he's got he can pick out a pass and he can penetrate the box with his dribble. He's so fast and so so dynamic that I think that's what Everton have been missing. I think Theo Walcott's a nice backup player. I think he's been you know he adds obviously that experience to the squad, but he doesn't score enough goals. He often doesn't take those chances. And I think Crep and Diata. You know, maybe again, he's not the most glamorous name. Chengazunda is obviously a bigger name, but I think people will be very surprised. I think he was more ready for. The, I think he's more ready for the Premier League now than Musa Gineppo was when he joined from Stamford Bridge to Southampton. I think, I think Diata would be the right choice for Everton in terms of having someone with that that defensive discipline and understands how to play a deeper right hand side role, but also with that explosiveness and dynamic in attack. Yeah, and um, moving on to centre back, this was another area where we thought. The existing options, you've obviously got Mina, Holgate, Keane and young Lewis Gibson. Um, I think Gibson will probably go out on loan again. He's done quite well at Fleetwood and I think uh, maybe a championship loan would be a, a really good opportunity as long as he plays every game. Um, that's the plan, yeah. It leaves us with Keane, who... Keane obviously made his name in a, in a very low block team at Burnley and is, is I think he's a very good defender in that type of system. I don't think... The high press, high line system suits him at all. I don't know if the the Ancelotti system isn't isn't as high as the silver system, but I think probably Holgate and Mina have kind of probably have established themselves as the first choice pairing at the moment. Although it's not always the case, is it? But we still think, obviously, in the press, Gabriel of Lille has been linked a lot. We looked at him, we like him a lot as well. We came up with some alternatives as well. So I don't know if you want to look at Evan Ndika of Eintracht Frankfurt first. So, Andy, yeah, sure. what are your thoughts on Ndika? Yeah, these and the player. You know, again, I, I remember him being always here when he was very young in, in league, league, league there. Him, if it's six for four, you know, you can play left back or centre back, and he's played obviously in the back three in Frankfurt for uh, Adi Hutter and Adi Hutter last season, and obviously he's at left back in a in back four this season. I think much like Julian Lescott, as we mentioned, I think that will benefit him in terms of learning how to play. You know, centre back. I think obviously he's defending in space and defending quick, fast players in space has become a premium for a defender. Now you look at Michael Keane, as we mentioned, who struggles when he isn't defending just the penalty area. I think that's what Everton needs to add. And I think what we've we, we've identified is with Gabriel as well as we needed need a left footed presence or a player who can play either on that left hand side or adds that left foot. Who can is both big, strong, and quick. He can so he can the, the way we looked at it is he can play with Yeri Mina, who's the who's, who's a stopper. Or they can be the stopper and play with Mason Holgate, who obviously is your cover defender then. And I think Evan and Dicker and, and, and Moussa Niakata, who you've also mentioned at Mainz, are players who are six for three, six for four. They're both quick, strong, who can play out from the back, could good range of passing. I think that was the, what we looked at was the key in terms of why Gabriel is probably someone they've identified. And obviously, Gabriel, I think, is slightly more ready than the other two. I think the other two would obviously need a bit of time to adapt. And obviously, we're lucky to have Mina and Holgate already there, so they would get that time to adapt. But I think they're the, they're the two players that we identified as the, you know, you know, along with Mohamed Salis, who was not mentioned in the article, we think he's only had half, you know, three quarters of a, of a season of experience. Probably needs some more before he moves to a, a, the Premier League. 
I think they were the two players that we thought left foot centre backs that we thought suited what Everton want the most. Tom, have you seen much of Ndikker and, and much of uh, Musonia Carte? I've I've seen I've seen Ndikker in the Europa League for Frankfurt, and I, I think he's played a lot at left back, hasn't he? As a more this of a wing, has, yeah. yeah, as more of a wing back, and he's he's I think he's used to it five at the back, isn't he? Yeah. Um, with Gab Gabriel, yeah, I, th- I think he's I think he's very good passing wise. What I think Everton needs to penetrate through the middle, mm. we we don't see a lot of that. I mean, my biggest my biggest advocate would be for Holgate to go on the right hand side, as the way he positions himself, he he's not a left footer or he hasn't got the sort of capability to turn onto his left side and and go forwards. You see a lot of them standing. Looking at towards Pickford with his back, with his back to the players. So, yeah, I think I think Gabriel's the one for me. Yeah, I think with that, that's why we went with him as the one. I think I think he is the more ready of the of the three that we've chosen. I think the reason we chose the other two, you know, is sound logic that we we wanted left footed centre halves who can do the, th- the things that I, I described before. I think. With Everton, I think Mason Holgate. I think people have been very impressed with him this season. I still, as you say, Tom, I think he's still got some things to work, you know to work out in terms of his body position. I, you know, I'll say the same with Moussa Niakati. Niakati tends to struggle on his right hand side because he doesn't position himself well. All he has to do is probably take a step, step, step more onto the opposite foot of the play, opposition player, and he and he block and he forced them on to go down to the left hand side, which he's more comfortable on. I think those little tweaks is where why having a coach like Carlo Ancelotti will be beneficial for players. We sign. I think you'll understand that. Obviously, being an Italian manager, the, the art of defending is something that they know very well. And I think that's why maybe we don't need to buy a, a 26 or a 27 year old centre back because I think we're going to sign someone young. I think signing young players, as we'll get on to, probably is, is, is very key for Everton. Uh, Tim, have, have you seen much of Gabriel? I haven't seen a huge amount. Obviously, since Everton have been linked, I've had a, I've had a much more of a look, and I do like him. And I think, um, as you say, having someone who can partner. The other options already in the squad has been kind of vital to how we've looked at the whole process. There's no point in uh, bringing in a player, however good, if, he, if you have to buy another couple of players to surround them. And that's that's also what we've done with the midfield, just to link into that last bit, which is to look at the uh, central midfield, which I think anyone who has watched Everton this year, particularly with Gabberman being injured and Gay having been sold, has noticed the midfield blend at Everton is just is just wrong. We don't have enough people who win the ball. We don't have enough people who can do anything progressive when they actually get the ball back. And we, we looked quite detailed. We've got, obviously, working in the game now, we've got access to quite a lot of more advanced statistics than you might see normally. And we've been able to kind of break down where Everton are passing the ball from and to and the kind of quality of passing we're doing in various areas. And to kind of summarise it, Everton pass worse in terms of accuracy, worse in terms of penetration and at a lower volume than almost any other team. You've kind of got the cluster of teams at the top of the league are all all around the same area. They 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 dominate possession, they make good passes and they also make attacking passes from the central areas. Whilst Everton, yeah, they they they're doing passes forward, but they're kind of inaccurate kind of balls to chase. And that's that's fine because you've got Richarlison and you've got Calvert Lewin are probably the two best in the league at chasing down loss causes. But if you're going to be a, a regular kind of threat at the top of the league, I think you need more control and you need need more uh, kind of aggression and ball-winning capabilities. So we've, we've 
we've looked at the midfielders. And I think the difference we've probably found between looking for Everton and looking for our clients in a day job is we're normally looking at the kind of bargain basement and we're looking for really good value up and coming players you've not heard of. Whilst this, we've really been looking at kind of quite well-established names of players. And we've identified a few that we quite like the look of. So I don't know if you want to take us through the two which always get mentioned whenever a Premier League team is looking for a midfielder. And those are our friends Ibrahim Sangare of Toulouse and Bubakare Sumare of Lille. Yeah, that, that, I think this is like, these are common names that are linked with Everton. I think I'll, I'll start with Sangari, as people know, very well know. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of him. But when, as I've saw, you know, I, you know, it's always a learning process. Obviously, you look at Sangari and you think he's a six foot three. You know, he's a very quick over the ground, very athletic player. The, the, you've got to look, ask questions of you know whether he, he would need time to adapt to the Premier League because of his technical deficiencies. Now he's not. I wouldn't say he's either he's not a good passer. I wouldn't say he's, he can't control the ball. What I would say is that when you look at his data, when you do watch him, he's he's played in the very poor to lose side, so it can obviously affect the data in terms of his passing accuracy. But compared to, a, a, say, a Sumari, who's much more of a well-rounded footballer already, this is why we sort of lean towards Sumari because Sangari is, is would fit exactly what we want. He can play as a box-to-box player if need be, but he can also play as as the, as the defensive midfielder. And what Everton have lacked since Idrissa Garnage left is that ability to someone to, to cut off runs from midfield and come and, and, and break passes um, and break passes that come through the midfield. If you watch that Chelsea game when we had Gomez and Davis in the centre of midfield. The ball was penetrated, was penetrated quickly through the midfield, and then the, you know Chelsea were on, on our defence quite quickly. Then I think we need people to be able to cut those out. And I think the reason with Sumari is similar to the centre back situation. Is I think Sumari is good enough to play as a box to box midfielder, but he can also play as as, as defensive midfielder. I think he can play with Gomez against certain sides where the you know Everton would probably be having more control of the ball, and then too as as passes you know could break a side down, you know create chances and, and, and carry the ball. Or, you know, into the final third, or alternatively, if he was playing with Gabamon against bigger sides, or, or, whatever, would have to seek possession more. Them two would be the ball winner, the two ball winners, the two you know, the two players who would get those interceptions and turn those counter attack, you know, defence into attack, counter to counter attacks that Everton would need in those games with Richardson and uh, Donny Calvert Lewin on the break, and that's why them two were the ones that we chose. Uh, Tom, what are your thoughts on Samari and Sangari's players? Yeah, I, I think. I think with Singari, he's in one of the worst teams in Liège, isn't he? So I think it's very harsh to compare defensively the both of them. As as I say, Singari's got a lot to deal with at Toulouse. Um, I think Samari's very good, very good technically in the midfield, and also I think he's very good visually when he mm. when he's opening up. You know, with passes, long long passes and short passes. I think I think with Sangari, I think he, he is a good progressive runner, but I feel like he's a bit more like a, a gangly sort of sort of player. He's not really like good to look at, if that makes sense. He's not fluid, he's not fluid, no. He's six foot three, long legs. He sometimes plays next to a player who's six foot seven, Sadiq, who's also very gangly. And yeah, I think that that's I think that's what puts people off when they look at him. However, 
you know, last season, you know, especially, you know, he, he was just a terror for, you know, he's just so press resistant. He can, so good at dribbling and carrying the ball. But this season, on a poorer side, you know, not so much. And I think we, you know, Tim, we named two, two other players who are more orthodox defensive midfielders as other options as well. Forever, do you want to take them to take us through them? We did. We had Baptiste Santa Maria of Angers and Florian Grilich of Hoffenheim. Um, Midfield all rounders really. They they can win the ball back and they they sit deep, but they also got good creative passing. They can retain possession and kind of win it back as well. So I think, as as Andy, you've just said really, we we always look for the existing options. So you've got to be able to play with Gomez. You've got to be able to play with Gabamin. If we got an injury to either of those would they be able to offer more than the current options do? So you might, yeah, look at Delph and people like that, and Davis. Could they pair with the players we're suggesting? So you've always got to look at, at how they would fit into the squads. Santimir and Grilich are both, they're both good options. They're not exciting options by any means. I don't think you'd look at either and think they're going to transform Everton into title contenders. But it's all about fitting into a, a team and do they make the team better? And I think I think all the options for midfield would improve the team. They're all kind of established kind of players who've got at least one season, they've got two or three under their belt, and they've some maybe even more for the last two options. And they've they've proven they can play in in top five leagues, so that the risk is quite low in their adaptability. So yeah, I think sometimes you do have to just go for a safe option when you're a Premier League club. It can't always be the exciting unheard of Brazilian kid that you bring in sometimes you no, just I, I think I think that's what's key to, to take out of this is yes you know I think some people sometimes expect us to pull out you know names from you know the Turkish sixth division who are like these well you know that scouting you know recruitment's not always about that it's about you know obviously you've got to take some risks and obviously Crep and Diata coming from Belgium would be a, you know, would be a risk you know you know Everton tend to only buy from the top five leagues However, you know, you look at Sansa Marie's playing at League One. You remind, you know, this is not the most exciting description, but I always say he's very Schneiderlin-like, except he's much more athletic and mobile, and he's much more progressive as a passer. Now, the key with Morgan Schneiderlin, I think, and you know, he's not, you know, he's not my favourite player by any means, but his intelligence and positioning and and being able to, you know, screen that back four is something that Santa Maria possesses. Now he does play in a four-one-four-one system, and he is the six for that in that system. So obviously, sort of transitions to a two-man midfield is going to be a bit different for him. However, him and Grealish have got that ability to sit deep in front of the back four and allow the rest of the team to push on. So that, that's the type of thinking that you need when you think of looking at Everton. You need Everton really, and this is why we've already been linked with Alan, who did it so well for Ancelotti at Napoli, is that you need a midfielder who can add structure. And I think that Gabamon obviously will be able to do that when he comes back. I think Samari has done that at times for Lille, and I think you know Sangari has certainly done that for Toulouse, unfortunately, the poorer side. And that, that that's our thinking, really. Someone who can add structure, but also someone who can progress the ball. And someone who's got that range of pass and where they can pick out Charleston, the new right winger, and of course Dominic Calvert Lewin. And I, you know, I think we've we've come up with some good options. There. I think that you know they're both sensible. I think they, they, they weight risk well, and I, and I think that they fit the you know Carl Ancelotti's type of player well as well. Andy, yeah, could, could you see could you see Everton signing two central midfielders? I don't. I don't believe so. I've, I, for people I've spoke to, you know, at the club and, and around the club, I think that the, you know the way they look at it is that the, you know you've got Gabam and, and Gomez. Obviously, they were the planned starters for this season. Uh, you've got Delph. 
Uh, and you've also got obviously, you know, you've got Tom Tom Davis as well. And then you're going to add another. That's five midfielders. Now I do believe that Tom Davis will go out on loan. Um, I think that that's an option for him. I think that's probably best. But then they're also the plan from Marcel Brands, as he said at the AGM, is to start bringing the under twenty three players in. And obviously we've got Tyler and Yang, who's probably not ready at the start of the season, but maybe by the season's end. You know, people will be thinking, well, is he how far away is he from the first team? I think that's what they want. They don't want to block players' paths. And I think that, you know, I think I don't see a sign of two centre midfielders currently. I think if, you know, obviously a lot of this hinges on us being able to sell both Sigurdsson and Schneiderlin or moving them out on loan, however it may be. But I don't see a sign of two centre midfielders at the moment. I think the Delft's role is to be the, you know, is obviously to offer a backup at left back in some manner and also be a leader off the pitch. Obviously someone who can try and drive, you know, those winning mentality into the players haven't played at Manchester City. So last question, and it's going to be quick answers only. Um, mm-hmm. Left midfield, that strikes me as the the area which is probably most up for a fight. Probably options, you've got Bernard, you've got Iwobi, could he play on the left? You've got Sigurdsson, who's started pretty much every game under Angelotti so he obviously does yeah. rate him what would you do left left side of midfield go on Tom um, well me personally I would uh, I'd sell Bernard in my opinion I feel wages wise and age wise and the contribution that he gives to the team I, I, I just haven't seen it I mean and that, that might be a bit controversial for Everton fans but who would you play there, Tom? I, I can. This going to be more controversial. Yeah, I'd put a wall be there. That's not. That's not controversial, though. If you, yeah, you know, everyone knows that I, I, I'm a big fan of a Wobie, and I think that the the issue for people is that yes, he hasn't fit in so far. But then, you know, the Marco Silva reign wasn't any great shakes. He had that one at one and a half games at ten. Obviously, West Ham. We just, you know, we we, broke, we destroyed West Ham that day, and then. You know, back to Gilfie Sigurdsson, it went. And I think he just hasn't had a consistent run on the side. Now, do I think Alexander, Alex Wobie's perfect for that left-hand side role? No, he is not. However, I just don't see it as a priority position. Obviously, Everton fans would like us to upgrade every single position and have a world all-star 11, but it's it's it's, it's about patience. and It takes a, to turn the squad over. It takes time. And I think that's what Everton fans need to understand. This year is not the left wing, is not the time to change the left midfield options. Maybe next year, obviously it will be, and, and both it will be, but that needs to become one more consistent and two off the ball defensively need to become better. And I think they'll, they'll have a year to prove that on the or they'll be, they'll be obviously, they'll be, one of them will be replaced next season. The other will probably be right on the bench as a result. Tim, what do you think? I'm, I'm in a, the Iwobi all the way camp. If we've got um, data we produce ourselves, which is a pass mm. quality ranking model. So it takes every pass and assesses it for whether it was completed, the area of pitch it took place, um, kind of how much of a, a kind of value t- to scoring a goal we think it adds. And on an individual pass level, you'll look at it and think, mm, I'm not so sure about that. But when you actually put it over thousands and thousands of passes, it, it does really match up all the good players kind of cluster in one area. And by far the best Everton passer is Iwobi. When he's getting the ball, the passes he's making are the most kind of goal-enhancing passes of anyone in the squad. And he's, he's, he's done all right, considering he's been shifted all over the place. And I think the kind of inside, inside left kind of position with, with Diata kind of providing the, the width on the right, you've got him coming in to link up, let Dean overlap, play those quality balls into the central areas. 
I think Iwobi is our solution for next season. Then. Yeah, I think the I think the, oh, just quickly to end on, on the Iwobi, I think I think people obviously had the high hopes set on you know Wilfred Zaha, obviously the very different types of players. I think what would people need to watch with Iwobi is yeah, he's not always the most accurate passer because what he's trying to do is he's trying to progress the side up the pitch and into dangerous areas. If you know if you watch him, he's always trying to play through the lines. He's always he's always picking the ball in between the lines himself. And teams need those type of players. You need people to be able to get the ball up the pitch. You know. Andre Gomez, you know, at times does it well, but other times he goes missing in certain games. And we can't be an only direct side. We need players to be able to link from you know the midfield to the attack. And I think Awobi is probably the you know the best option. I wouldn't count Bernardo. Yes, I think he's, he isn't a bad player. You know, for the if, you know at least for another twelve months. So I think you know he'd be twenty eight by the time or twenty nine by the time that's over. And I think I think Everett will look look at that but down the line. I think in the short term, I think we're, we're fine. Obviously, young Gordon, whether he suits a four four two, he's probably better, in my opinion, on the right of a four four two or as one of the two centre forwards. Maybe the Richardson role where you run in the channels off Calvert Lewin. But I think I think we're fine at left wing for, for, you know in terms of this season as a as a as a sort of transition season into the into the fighting for the top six, top four. You know, in terms of that sort of season. Yeah, I, on on just on Anthony Gordon. I'm I'm opposite to you, Andy. I I feel like he'd be better coming off the left. I feel like he he is it he is when you watch him he is a ten, but I feel like he can adapt his game to being playing off that left. And he he's got a lovely right foot. Yeah, has yeah. Yeah, and and I feel he and he is quite mobile. I mean, we haven't seen a lot of him, but I feel like he if when he does start aging and his physicality does start coming coming along, I think he will be very well suited to the Premier League. Yeah, I think that's that's fair, and I think I hope people have enjoyed the article. I think this has been a good chat between three ardent Evertonians, and the only three Evertonians amongst the market insights group. So obviously, we, we wouldn't let anyone else on to you know to have the non-biased chat. Uh, I think I think you know I think we, we, we you know we did remove bias in a sense. Obviously, we all liked individual players differently. Obviously, people know I'm a big Sangari fan, but you know when you look at it, you know from a scouting point of view and from a from a recruitment perspective, I think you know it was key that we you know we chose the option. That we did, and I think looking for younger players rather than those Coutinho, you know, Rodriguez, you know, Hamas Rodriguez types who are older. I think Everton fans need to realise that you know we need a fluid squad by signing younger players. You know, it allows you to probably you know if, if they don't work out like like Vlasic and Luckman, they're very easy to sell rather than players like you get your Silk Sigurds and your Schneidlands who are obviously older and you tend to find the market is much more smaller for those type of players. So thank you for joining us this week. I'd like to thank Tim and Tom for joining us on the Market Insights bonus podcast on the Everton Athletic article. Mm-hmm.